Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. I wanted to talk to you before we get into God's Word for just a moment about a journey that we've been on as a church, something I'm very excited about. Because as four years ago, um, I came into this role as senior pastor. I was praying about vision for where God would lead us when it came to us spending time in his word through the messages each week. And there was a vision at that time that started to come to the surface of us as a church walking through the entirety of God's word, preaching through the entirety of God's word in a five-year period of time. That we would, as a church, do reading plans that would bring us through and go deep and wide. Because we need to dive deep into God's word, read it personally, read it in community, and allow it to take root in our hearts. And so, back in 2014, we began this journey with a series of messages called See Like Jesus. Do I have anyone that, that did that reading plan? Come on, let me see a hand. See Like Jesus, that was a game changer, I believe. That was something God began to do to show us the Gospels in a different way. For 40 days, we read leading up to Easter, starting right around this time in 2014, we walked through the life and ministry of Jesus. We met in small groups, and we went deep and wide into God's Word. The following year, we read the rest of the New Testament from Acts to Revelation, and we called it New and 42, and we learned the story of the New Testament church. So in two years, church, we read through the entire New Testament together in community as a body. Give yourselves applause, a round of hands for that, because that's, that's big. That's important. It's one thing to read it personally, but for us as a community to walk through God's word in that way. And then last year, we began our Old Testament journey, and we started with a series called Epic, where we walked from Joshua through 2 Kings, and we saw the God-sized stories of what he does, a God that works in such powerful ways. So last summer, we walked through that section of the Old Testament, and now we're coming to the next part in that journey, and we're calling it history. And we're going to read together through the law, as it's called in the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament. Now, this is Gen uh, Genesis. It begins with Genesis and goes all the way through Deuteronomy. And as we look through this portion of Scripture, this is such a key portion of God's Word. It was what was given uh, to the early church. Whenever they talked about the Scriptures, uh, the early church in the book of Acts, before they had the New Testament, this is what they had. This is what they looked to. In fact, there were some... Uh, young men that would grow up and they'd want to be teachers themselves, they had to commit this whole portion of Scripture to memory by the time they were 12 years old. Can you believe that? You can't get your, some of your children to memorize their address, right? Uh, by the time they're, they can't get them to remember to, uh, to take out the trash. They had to remember and, and memorize, commit this whole portion of God's Word to memory by the time they were 12 years old. This is such an important part. It's not just history, but it's the story of God and his relationship with us. And so it's something that I want us to understand, I want us to dive into, and I want us to see. And uh, before, we, um, before we move any further, I want to give you a trailer that will just show you. This is a, a kind of a, a teaser for what this series is going to be all about. So I want you to turn your attention to the screens as we understand a little bit more about what history is all about. 2,000 years ago, a young, ordinary teenage girl gave birth to a baby and named him Jesus. What seemed to be an ordinary moment in history was making way for the extraordinary. Because in her arms was the author of life. Before he was laid in a manger, it was Jesus who laid out the foundations of the universe. 
before Jesus split the veil in two, he split the sea in two. Before Jesus made a promise to his disciples, he made a promise to Abraham. Before Jesus walked in the Garden of Gethsemane, he walked in the Garden of Eden. He was there in the beginning. There was never a time before him. When we look through all of history, we see his hand and his work. We see his story. That's it, that long before we find Jesus showing up on the scene in Matthew's gospel, we actually see his hand and his work throughout all of history, throughout all of the scriptures from beginning to end. We see Jesus there. History is truly his story. He was there in the beginning. He's there in the end. He's there all woven through the pages of scripture. And it's so important that we take that journey together. You know, because as we do that, it, it is life-changing. It has the power and potential to change everything. There's a Bible that we're going to be um, walking uh, with some. If you want to pick this up, this is a uh, different uh, version of the Bible that you may want to uh, consider as we go through this reading plan. First, you have uh, received one of these in your bulletin. This is the actual reading plan. It's a 40-day journey to get us through the first five books of the Old Testament together. If you want an extra copy of that, I think some of our ushers might have them uh, around, or you can pick them up on the back uh, in, the, in the foyer as you leave today. So, uh, so if you would like one of those, feel free to uh, put a hand up, catch an usher. They can bring one to you, or right after service, make sure you pick one up. This plan is going to be beginning on February 20th. Say it with me. When? February 20th. So that's not this Monday, but next Monday we're going to kick off. If you want to start now, you're more than, um, you know, you're more than able to do that. That's why we're giving it out in advance. We want you to dive into God's Word and to take this journey together. But this Bible just came out just a few weeks ago. Has anyone, let me see a show of hands, anyone ever, ever heard of Lou Giglio? Lou Giglio? Someone's like, oh, are you giving it away? I'll take it. Um, uh, Lou Giglio um, from Passion City Church, he's someone that's uh, just an incredible teacher and, and loves the Lord deeply. Has anyone ever heard of Ravi Zacharias, Max Licato, John Piper? Uh, so, yeah, so all of these people have come together and contributed on this. This is an NIV study Bible, and every passage, all from Genesis through Revelation, as you read through God's Word, there are all of these extra studies and extra devotionals that are all pointing to moments in Scripture where it's pointing to Jesus. So you see Jesus on every page. You see Jesus from Genesis through Revelation. If you take a look on the next slide here, this is one of the examples in Genesis 1 and 2, talking about uh, beginnings and Jesus as the supreme display of the glory of God. And so there's a whole teaching that's kind of right in there that you can go into more in-depth study and see how God's word comes alive. And we can see Jesus from Genesis all the way through Revelation. So you can pick this up on, uh, on Amazon, online, um, or at any Christian kind of retailer and, and take the journey. It's just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's an incredible uh, tool, and if you want to enhance your study of God's Word, you might want to consider uh, picking it up. As we go through um, this study of Scripture, there's something that it reminds me of. Um, it reminds me of a story that I had come across a couple of years ago. Whenever I first started here on staff, I was a young adults pastor, and um, I had some leaders that came around and some that served in the ministry, and one of them became good friends with 
and uh, his name was Jason. And Jason uh, was a graphic designer, incredibly talented, and he worked for Princeton University Press. So it's the publishing arm of Princeton University. Uh, so those that studied there, those that got degrees, they would uh, come back and they would publish through them. Jason was a book designer, and he created some amazing book designs, the covers and the artwork, how the pages were laid out, and uh, some of them actually won awards uh, for what he created. Well, when I would ask him, Jason, what's your favorite you know, book that you're working on right now? What do you feel like the most creative one is? He told me about this one book that he uh, was creating at the time. He said it's called The Invisible Hook. And he said it's by this guy that graduated a while back named Peter Leeson. And Peter um, understands uh, economics really well. But he's writing this book that teaches economics through studying pirates. So it's a hidden uh, economy of pirates. And so I'm thinking, wow, like I'm thinking, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and, and, and okay, like, like how does that work? Well, it's very intriguing. The book design won uh, some kind of award. Uh, but Peter had been working on this book, and people were really anticipating it come, um, come out, and Jason was excited to be uh, working on it. Well, at the time, uh, Peter, who is the author of this book, he he was writing the book, and you can imagine going through the revisions and the drafts and him being able to publish this. It was a lot of work. At the time, he was dating a girl named Anaya, and so he's dating her, and I could imagine being in her shoes where he's just so fixated getting the book done. He's saying, yeah, that's his story. That's Peter's story. That's Peter's book that he's putting together. Well, the time was going on, and finally, it got to the point where the book was printed. It went through the printing press. It came out in the first copy of the book that was released, Peter wanted he took that book, he called up Anaya, he said, I want to go out, I want to have a nice dinner, I want to celebrate um, my book being released and, and it being out. He said, okay, so they had a nice dinner, it was very romantic. And then in the midst of that dinner, he slides the book across the table to Anaya. And she says, oh, that's nice, thank you. Um, and he said, well, I want you to see it, I want you to read it. And she's like, well, I can't read it right now. He said, well, just open it up and just take a look at the beginning pages of it, the acknowledgments, I wrote something to you. And so there she is. She opens up this book. She doesn't understand about pirates or economics or anything. But as she opens up and begins to read the words on that acknowledgement page, it said, Anaya, I love you. Will you marry me? And that was how he proposed to his girlfriend, was through this book, through this work that over time she, you know, she saw it was coming. It was this story that was unfolding. But in a moment, as she's reading it, that story becomes her story. And she realizes of his great love, the author's great love for her. I've never walked away and forgotten about that story because that's what God's word reminds me of, is that we have an author who loves us so much. And for some of us, just like Anaya and Peter, it's like that's his story, that's that story, that's over there. For some of us, we have that relationship with God's word. Before we knew God, before we cared about God, before we had a relationship, like, yeah, that's that story. That story about Noah and the flood and that story about creation and Jesus. That's that story. Then you get to know him and you say, well, that's his story. Yes, the Bible, it's his story. It's a story of God. It's a story of Jesus. But something else happens as you get into God's word and you truly understand the depths of his love for you, that you realize that the author loves you and has written you into his story. Have you ever thought about that, church? that of his great love for you. That's what this is. That's what scripture truly is. I believe it's God's love letter to his children and to his people. It's so that we could know him and love him, but even more importantly, we could know we're loved by him. Some of you today, you need to know something. You need to know that you're loved. You've forgotten that. 
You've forgotten that word of encouragement that you are loved with a love that you can't even fathom. And God's word is the very instrument he uses to remind us of that. So it's his story. But the more that we look in it, the more that we dive into God's word, the more we discover how Jesus shows up all throughout it, the more we begin to understand how he wants to show up in our story, to change our lives, to change our direction, to write some new beginnings. I'm so thankful that one of the titles that Jesus has is that he's the author. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, the author of our lives. It's his story, and he's there from the beginning to the end, and he's here with us always to the end of the age. And so let's dive into God's word together today, and I'm going to invite you to open up with me. Does anyone want to guess where we're going to open to? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Good, good. You're still with me this morning. Open up with me with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I didn't say we're going to do the reading plan together here in the, in the service, so don't worry. I'm not just going to start reading. But this is where it begins. Now, before you look down at your page, I, I don't know what translation you're using, but I'm 99.999% positive that it doesn't matter what translation you're reading out of unless it's in a different language. But there are three words that it begins with. In the beginning, right? So look at you all. You're studying God's word. You're memorizing it. You're memorizing it. You're not well on your way to where those young Jewish boys would be when they had to study the whole thing, but you got three words in. In the beginning. This is what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. And so for us to understand this, we understand that it's God that created everything. Everything that we can see, everything we cannot see. It's there, and that's what happened in the very beginning. Now, how he did that, this shows what he did. How he did that shows up in a few verses later, and that's very important to what we're going to be talking about today. So he created everything. God is the creator. How did he create the heavens and the earth? We learn about this if we look two verses later in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Do you know how God created the heavens and the earth? By his word. By his spoken word, the heavens were created. By his spoken word, the foundations of the universe were set in place. By his spoken word, we had day and night. We have everything that we see. It's about the power of God's word to bring it about. Some of you, you understand this idea that there are words that have power. Some of you with your children, there was a time whenever you spoke or dad spoke, when he gave a word, it happened. It was done, right? I hear you, Pastor Rick. But now there's a time, Pastor Rick, that you're like, am I, am I mute now? My words aren't heard in the same way. There are times when it's spoken. I said it. That settles it. It's done. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, oh, those were the good old days. Now I have teenagers. I don't know. I have a, Mandy has deemed this new word for Lily called a three-nager. Has anyone heard of this? She's, she's like a three-nager because I'm like, sometimes we're like, Lily, and she's like, doesn't hear us anymore. I'm like, man, remember when our word used to carry weight? (laughs) But God's word, God's word has the power to shape the universe. 
has the power to change everything. And this is, this is the foundation of what we understand and believe. This is the foundation of our faith that God created everything. He created it by his word. In fact, the author of Hebrews goes right into this. In Hebrews 11, chapter 3, this is what he says. It says, by faith, by faith, you and I, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. Created the worlds, created the universe, created everything that we could see, that it's by faith we believe that, we understand that. You see, these two words, by faith, are so incredibly important because faith, it's defined just a few verses earlier as the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things that we can't see. That's why in the rest of verse 3, it says, um, as we look at it, it says that we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what was spoken came out of what we could not see, that what we could not see is what ultimately created what we can see here today. It's the assurance of things we cannot see that created the universe. You see, we have scientists, we have physicists, we have people with more degrees than, than I could count that are trying to figure out how did this whole thing happen? How did the world get created in such a, an incredible way? How, how did the universe come to be in the way that it is? And so they're studying, they're trying to understand it, and they're looking for something that they can see that can show them why and how. And when, they want to answer all of these questions. And so what they're looking for is evidence, something that they can see. It's amazing that we get to the end of that journey and we stand in a different place. We said at the beginning, like, what was seen came from what we could not even see. The Word of God created everything. And so there's this idea that there are many that are looking for physical proof of where is it? And they'll look in all these different places. And one of the places they'll look is out into the expanse of the universe. So look at how deep into space they can get, how far and wide to begin to understand more about how this all came to be. But there are others, they're called quantum physicists, and they go really, really, really deep and really small to figure out how everything began. And so they go down to the basic building blocks of life. They go down to the atom. And the atom... For, some, for much of time, for a long time, once they figured out that atoms existed and they were the building blocks of life, that they thought this was the smallest it could be. So it's somehow atoms. But then over time, as they went through the 1900s, they said, but the atoms are made up of stuff. They're stuff that are made up inside of atoms. They're called subatomic particles. And these small particles um, are like quarks and, and different things that come together. And they're so small that we could never even see them. We can't even see them through intensified powered microscopes and scanning uh, microscopes. You can't see these things. They're, they're, they're really at, at such a small level. But physicists and those that are working in that area, they're beginning to understand that. So some of you, you can go home and you can tell your friends if they ask if you've done any advanced studies and anything, you say, for about two minutes I learned about quantum physics from my pastor in church. So make sure you throw my name in there so I sound really smart. Um, but these, these things, these subatomic particles, think about it, they're existing smaller than atoms. And what these quantum physicists have come up with is a theory. They can't see it but they just believe it's at the, at the fabric of the universe. I think it's the, the very basic. They, they get it down to a point where they can't, they can't find anything else. There has to be some starting point. There has to be something there at the very foundation. Are you following me? Are you following me? Good. You guys are brilliant. Um, 
and there has to be something there. And what they said is they came up with this theory in the 70s, and they called it the string theory. And the string theory is this. They said, do we believe that as you break down an atom and you break down the quarks and you break down these subatomic particles, it all comes down to this very small, minute, um, these like strings that are kind of moving and they're kind of waves. And, and some have said it's like they're just like waves of sound that are just vibrating at different velocities. And they are the very thing that makes up the fabric of the entire universe. And so you go back to that and you say, wow. That's a lot to take in right now. But you go back and I'd say, I like what they're getting onto because I think that at their very theory, they're saying, so the whole universe was created. The whole fabric of everything is ultimately these little waves of sound that are vibrating. And I go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. and says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, the spoken word of God, creating the, fabri the fabric and foundation of the universe Weaving it all together, I'm like, they might not be far off. Now, will they ever be able to get to the point where they can see it? I don't know if it will ever become a reality for them. But it's okay because those that are in faith, we say faith is the assurance of what we hope for, the conviction of what we can't even see. But I believe that it's God's spoken word that founded the universe, that shaped it. We look at it and say, oh, is that just poetry? Is that just this? Is it that? No, God's word has power. We see that, we learn that. God says it all throughout Scripture, that words have power. I mean, the spoken word of God has power, and we learn that, and we'll learn that more, that it was at his command, at his voice going out, the very word of God going out, that we see things happen, shape, tra uh, transform, change. It's by his word that he would make it rain or make it snow. It was by his word that he held up and shut up the rain in the clouds. It's by his word that everything that we see has come to be seen. And so we see that this has happened. And it says here, and it continues to echo it all throughout God's word. It says in Psalm 33, 6, it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, by the breath of his mouth, by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. God's word has power. The power to make things happen. The power to change things. To transform things. The second part of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says this. That what was seen was made out of what we cannot see. What was seen is made out of what we cannot see. It was by his word. God's word is ultimately this. God's word is the invisible power that produces visible results. I'm going to say that again and we'll put it here on the screen. God's word is the invisible power that produces visible results. That's God's word. So God's spoken word in creation is something that happened there. We see that and it's clear and it's created everything. Romans 1.20 says, For since the foundations, the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, God's divine nature can be clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that we are without any excuse. If you want to see God on display, you look to his creation because he created everything. We see his invisible qualities in the visible things we see. That's how he made himself known. But as we come to this point in Scripture, we come to the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, it's a moment where John brings everyone back. Brings them back to a moment in time that we've been talking about today. Now, if you turn there, and you can turn there with me, if you have your Bible, turn to John's Gospel, chapter 1. 
And before you even get there, I'm going to quiz you. Do you know what the first three words are of the Gospel of John? In the beginning. So when everyone reads that, where are they going? They're going right back to Genesis. And they're wondering, okay, what is this about it? In the beginning. See, in the beginning, what John is sharing and what John is showing is that Jesus was there in the very beginning. That he was there. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was there in the beginning. It goes on in verse 3 to continue forward. And he says that every, all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. It's the word of God. You see, many people would see um, in the Old Testament, they saw, well, God is just one. God said it in Deuteronomy, I am one. I am the Lord. I don't change. I am one. And love me with everything you have. But as God continued to reveal himself through Scripture, we understood that God's ways are not our ways, that his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we actually understand that God exists in the form of three in one. We sang about it today. We call it the Trinity. That word won't show up in the Scripture. That's what we've come to coin this idea that God exists as one but in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And once we understand that, and we go back and we look back in the story, we look back through history, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see them before we can even get to verse 4 in Genesis chapter 1. They're there. Did you know that? They're there. Look with me. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Look right in your Bible. Here's what it says. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, they each get a verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, the Word of God. What does the Bible say? That the Word of God, it created everything. He created everything that we see formed by the Word of God. We see the Trinity on display. It goes on later in Genesis, say, let us make man in our own image. There's this idea of community. There's this idea of connection, of God working in ways that they didn't even understand or recognize at that point in time. But now that we know Christ and have seen him and understand him, we see how he was there in the beginning. Paul picks up on this in Colossians chapter 1. He says this, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. And by him, all things were created, both in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. Everything was created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is Jesus, the word of God, the word at the beginning is there. And Jesus is there as the word of God. This is a title that he has given in scripture. But something amazing happened when Jesus was born. And this is how John says it in John chapter 1 verse 14. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the holy begotten from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus said, no one has seen God, but when you see me, you've seen the Father. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came as the Word, could not be seen, could not be understood, did not yet show up in that way, and he became flesh. And he walked this earth for 33 
three years and he died a sinner's death on a cross. And he rose again on the third day to give us a brand new life. It's Jesus, the word, the word made flesh, the word that changes everything, the word that created the heavens and the earth and everything that we can see. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come up at this time. As we look to Jesus, as we look to his word, we get to see that not only is he the word, but there's another title that's given to him. He is the author of life, the Bible says. Peter says, when he's speaking in the book of Acts, that you crucified the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Goes on in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Jesus is the author. Do you want to know what I love about the author? The author always has the final word in how the story goes. The author has the final word. The author is the one who determines how the story is told. Jesus is the author. He's the word made flesh, the author of life. And his word is final. Aren't you thankful today? that he's the one writing the story. Aren't you thankful today if you know him and love him that he's the one who's writing your story? I'm so thankful because there are places in my life that I thought it was over. I thought it was a period. I thought it was shut it down, close it up. But Jesus said, I'm putting a comma there because there's a brand new beginning. There's something more that I'm still doing. I'm not done yet. The story ends when the author says it does. Aren't you thankful today that he has the final word in your life, in your story, in your circumstance, and whatever it is that you're walking through? Some of you, you can't understand what journey life has brought you on and what you are doing here today. And I want to tell you, maybe you've been trying to write your own story. Maybe you've been trying to walk through it whatever way you want to. I want you to know Jesus is the author of life. He's the author of your story. If you let him, he will have the final say in every circumstance and in everything that you walk through as you look to him. Some of you, you feel like you've been trying to follow God and, and you've become so disappointed with your circumstances and with the things that you've been walking through. You can't understand the trials that you've been walked with. And maybe I couldn't even understand them either. But I want you to know that there's one who does. He is the author of the story. The characters in the story don't understand it. That's the tension of the story. But the author of the story always knows where it's going. He knows where he's leading. He knows what's happening. He sees the beginning from the end. Jesus is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the author of life, and he's the author of your story and of history. He invites you into that story. He invites you into that place. And I'm thankful today that no matter wherever you are and wherever you wonder, if you lean into him, if you lean into his word, if you allow him to lead you and guide you, your life could be changed forever. There's something so beautiful whenever we embrace the story that God has for our lives. The story that he's writing and desires to write in us and bring us through. But we have to be willing to walk with him. We have to be willing to know him. We have to be willing to come to his word. See, Jesus, although he is gone, he's ascended into heaven. He's going to return again someday. He hasn't left us alone. Here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to give you my spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to guide you into all truth. He said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And aren't you thankful that God has given us a revelation of himself through his word, that we would know him, that we would know Jesus, that we would walk with him. Jesus said, I've given you this as like a lamp and as a light. 
The word of God is living and active. I want you to know that it's as alive today as it was when it was written. It's as alive today and applicable today in our lives. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, God's word remains timeless throughout all of history and every age. And I want you to know that he has something for you today. There were times that we're going to see as we walk through this reading plan that people were in difficulty. They were in trials. They were in possible circumstances. And the thing that changed everything was when God sent a word to them. There was a word that was given to them, and that word had the power to change everything in their circumstances. People in the New Testament, when they met Jesus, they saw it. They saw it because by his word, bodies were healed. By his very word, he said, your faith has made you well, and people got up and walked. There's another man that comes to him, and he said, I'm a man under authority. I understand this. He said, my child is sick, but I know that you can just send your word, and they'll be well. Jesus sent his word. His word had the power to heal, had the power to restore. I want you to know something today. The living, active word of God still has power in 2017 to change every life, to break down strongholds, to bring deliverance, to bring healing, to bring about transformation in every heart and every life. He's the author. He's still writing your story. Don't put a period where he's putting a comma. Don't try to allow something to stop that the Lord wants to begin again in your life, but you gotta look to him. You gotta embrace him and you gotta lean into his word. And as you come to that, and as we read, you're gonna see God's gonna begin to transform things. You're gonna see just how living and active the word of God really is. Because as God's speaking to Moses, he's gonna speak to somebody in this house here. As he makes a promise to Abraham, it's gonna be a promise that you're gonna be able to take hold of and say, that works for me today. That's applicable to me today because Jesus is living, active, working in my life. I want you to know that as we come to God's word, it's gonna be alive and active. And we're gonna see how history becomes a part of our story and begins to change everything in us and through us. This is what God promises about his word. He says in Isaiah 55, verse 11, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. Without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. In the same way that Jesus, the Word made flesh, had a mission and had a purpose, God's Word has a mission and a purpose. He said, everything that comes forth from my mouth, the Word that I send forth, will not return to me without accomplishing exactly the purpose that I have for it. That purpose is going to be worked out in your life as you commit yourself to God's Word, as you read it, as you lean in. Don't just lean into it personally and individually. I would encourage you, every one of you, as we take this journey through history, would you do it in community with someone else? Would you open your home? Would you go into another home with others and do it in a small group environment? Every week, starting next week on the 20th, the 19th, we're going to be launching our small group season. It will go right along with this series. It will give you chances to get together and to read deep and wide and explore God's Word, to go deeper in studying these passages of Scripture and have great discussion and prayer with other believers. Don't give up on that element of it. It's so vital. It's so life-changing. I'm going to be excited to celebrate those that are going to do this for the first time. Some of you have never been a part of a group, and God's calling you to it today, this season. So don't leave without getting plugged in. Don't leave without um, getting there. We still want homes to open. Open your home if you haven't yet, and, uh, and make yourself available to be used by God during this time to experience His Word. It won't come back without accomplishing exactly what God desires for it to accomplish. Here's what I want us to do right now. I want us to bow our heads and our hearts before the Lord. We're just going to pray a commissioning kind of prayer. As we set off on this journey, we're going to begin next 
week as a journey with the Word of God, looking to the author, Jesus. I want to pray that His Word takes root in our hearts like never before, that it changes us and transforms us. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. If you have your Bible with you in church today, I want you to take it. I want you just to press it right up against your heart. If you don't have your Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you if you'd like to do this. Or just you can even put your hand right over your heart. And we're going to pray in just a moment. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. And I'm going to ask you, church, even pray some of these prayers. Make this a prayer of dedication of your life, Lord Jesus. I ask your word to come alive in my heart like never before. That, Lord God, over this next season leading up to Easter, that you would change me by the power of your word. Lord, speak a word in season to me. Meet me where I am, Lord. You know my heart's greatest need and desire. Lord, increase in my life. Increase through your word. Lord God, I pray that, Lord, it would take root in the deepest places of who I am, that it would become the foundation on which I stand on, in which I walk on, in which I live on. Lord, I come and have your way. Lord, I commit myself to your word and to walking in this way. Lord God, would you come and lead and guide my life as you write my story. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Would you stand with me, church? God is so good. He's so worthy of all of our praise and all of our glory and all the honor. I'm going to pray for you. And as I do that, our, our prayer workers are going to come, our prayer team. If you're going to need prayer, you can respond in just a moment. But let me just pray for you. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We thank you that you are the author, that you are the word of God. And we thank you today that we look to you and look to no one else, Lord God. Come and lead us and come and guide us, Lord God. I pray today that we would find fresh manna, Lord God. Every time we open your word, that you would bring us something that is in season, that leads us through the journey you have for us, Lord God. Lord, help us as we commit ourselves to your word. Make it living and active in our lives. Change us and transform us so that we'll never be the same again. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, you can come forward. We're going to continue to worship the Lord and make this an atmosphere of responding to God's word today. Uh, you can avail yourself to everything happening in the foyer today. And we can't wait to see you next week as we kick off. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.